Hey everybody, today is Wednesday, June 6th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Hey folks, welcome to Wednesday. I hope your day went well, and I hope you tuned in to the Intelligame podcast that we aired on Tuesday, our full episode that was themed around team and featured uh, Kim Chica, Jenny Wyndham, who is one of the newest members of the Intelligame team. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with her as well as the other segments too. Today, we're going to be having a discussion about digital storefronts. We're going to be having a discussion about the places where we get our games and some of the rules that we sign up for just by being in that space. Steam has recently been in the news due to decisions that they made about games that they feel have adult content or themes, and it is really making me think not just about what we do with games that might have adult content in them, but really the number of ways that we are tied to these game providing services that can be making all sorts of decisions in the background about what we have access to in terms of games. So we're going to talk a little bit about those services and we're going to talk about some digital storefronts that maybe you don't know about. If you've got any questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to drop an email to podcast at intelligame.us or hit us up on social media at Let's Intelligame. Let's go ahead and get started. If you're a PC gamer, you've likely purchased a game on Steam, which is Valve's online digital marketplace for games. It's definitely the largest one out there, and not being present on Steam can have a pretty significant effect on a game's overall sales. This also means that if Steam enacts policies that either work for or against your game, it can make or break your future development. This is particularly why discussions about Valve's supposed policy in regards to adult content was in the news recently. GameIndustry.biz just published an article or a, which had a series of interviews from developers who were talking about either being targeted by these policies or being concerned about their games potentially being targeted by changes in Valve's overall curation policy in the future. Though just about a month ago, recently games that featured quote-unquote adult content could be explicitly tagged as such on Steam, there's now the feeling that Steam may just come out and remove a game from the marketplace as was done with uh, Honey Pop and a number of other generally more anime-centric adult-oriented games. Though there are any number of discussions that people can have about adult content and whether or not it's uh, appropriate or whether it should be on marketplaces, this is a pretty stark reminder that there are other folks who are controlling the cards when we think about the games that we play, the games that we have access to. In this particular case, Valve may be able to somewhat sit in the background as sort of the overall 
um, the overall giant retailer. Steam is the air which PC gamers breathe. But we forget that there are other marketplaces out there. Other marketplaces that tend to have different curation styles, different focuses, and different games for us to try. Particularly when I think about IntelliGame, and when I think about the games that we try to focus on in terms of narrative content or indie developed games, there are plenty of those on Steam, but some great titles don't make their way to Steam. And there are other marketplaces that sometimes may feel more appropriate for games that take chances or are not uh, take chances narratively or are not necessarily uh, conventionally successful. Three particular services stick out to me on PC. Each one has a little bit of a different flavor and is advantageous for a different reason. GOG.com, which used to be good old games, is really great for finding retro titles, particularly ones that have been made to be more compatible with current machines. So finding an actual functional copy of Fallout 3 Game of the Year Edition, or maybe one of the older Ultima games, GOG is a great place to find those. This is a pretty, pretty strict curation space. Um, it's run by CD Projekt uh, Red, the same team that developed The Witcher. And so even though they do have modern games, they also have a number of older games as well. This means that if you're looking for some of the really sort of out there, on the edge indie titles, GOG is probably not the place for you. You might be a little more partial to itch.io, which is a really open space that allows all sorts of different kinds of games to be hosted. One of the things that I really like about Itch, in addition to being able to see this wide array of content, is that you're also able to do a little bit more customization about your personal storefront. So as you look at a developer's Itch page, you can see a bit of their personality conveyed in the way that they set up their games. Itch also has a pricing model that I really appreciate. It allows you to set a base price for a game, and then people have the option to pay more for that game. So if there is a title that you enjoy and it's priced at $5, if you really enjoy it and want to support the developer, you could pay $10 or $15 or whatever you wanted. A third one is GameJolt, which I'm not as familiar with, but it feels like it runs in similar circles as itch.io. And both of those have pretty, pretty significant, sizable indie opportunities, and a number of games that may not make it through the Steam Greenlight process or make it onto uh, GOG as a more established game. But I think it's important for us to have discussions about these other storefronts because if we don't remember that they exist on a consistent basis, then we forget that there's not only an entire catalog of games out there we could be paying attention to that we miss, but we also end up holding ourselves stuck to the policies of one particular company that we may not always agree with. In our modern tech infrastructure, a number of the things that we do are tied to platforms that we don't have any control over. Our distribution for the content that we put online generally goes through social media tools like Facebook or Twitter, and they change their algorithms on a very regular basis. 
becomes almost a game of its own to try and keep up and figure out what tools and tactics are necessary for success. And in fact, this is something that's happened with Google and other search engines for years to the point where we have a regular discussion about SEO, search engine optimization, to try and figure out how to drive traffic to our sites. There are any number of tools that we utilize on a consistent basis that have a number of gears that are turning in the background. More often than not, we don't see those gears, and it's only at situations where some sort of squeaky wheel shows up, like games being removed from the Steam marketplace unexpectedly and without warning, that make us realize, like, oh, wait a second, there might be something here to be concerned about. Does this mean that I would say that you should never buy a game on Steam again? I would say that that's probably overreacting, and it misses a part of the point. Regardless of whether you buy your games from Steam, or Origin, or GOG, or any number of other places, you're gonna be stuck to the ways that these individual storefronts decide to do business. What's important is to make sure that you're making decisions that support the ways that you would like these places to conduct business. If you want to have DRM-free games and be able to play them offline or download full copies, then you probably shouldn't buy them from Steam, which is a DRM or digital rights management specific marketplace. Instead, you should pick up your games on GOG.com or maybe itch.io. There are options out there, and the more that we pay attention to those options and utilize those options, the more we can strengthen the marketplace. We've had discussions in the past about the way that blockchain technology introduced into the space may change things. And I'm very much interested in seeing how that happens. But in the meantime, we've got to remember there are other options out there. And the more that we take a look at those options, the better we can be informed as consumers, and perhaps the more, the more great games we can be exposed to. Maybe you're wondering how you're going to get your daily dose of IntelliGame on Thursday, aka tomorrow, because IntelliGame Radio just happens on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Well, you should swing in for the live stream. Head on over to twitch.tv slash letsintelligame at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Jenny and I will be doing a co-stream playing some Super Sports Machin, which is a, a new game that released for the Switch kind of a retro-themed, zany, Olympics-esque title. And then we'll be diving into some party games that uh, hopefully you'll be able to get involved in as well. All you'll need is a cell phone or a web browser, and you can participate too. So swing over to twitch.tv slash letsintelligame at 5 on Thursday the 7th to uh, hang out and have a good time with us. All right, folks, that does it for another edition of IntelliGame Radio. I've been your host, Josh Boykin. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook at Wallstormer. Keep an eye out for more awesome gaming content by swinging over to IntelliGame.us, the main homepage, or by looking us up on social media at Let's IntelliGame on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Keep in mind again that we are going to be doing that live stream tomorrow starting at 5 p.m. over at twitch.tv slash Let's Intelligame. And I highly recommend you tuning into IG Radio on Friday because Jenny, uh, Kim Chica, is going to be in the driver's seat for IG Radio. So it's going to be a really awesome segment. I think you'll super enjoy it. If you've got any feedback, be sure to shoot that over to podcast at IntelliGame.us. Until next time, folks, have a fantastic evening. And as always, keep IntelliGaming.